I'm Batman. I'm Spider-Man. I come over the house. We're best, best friends. friends of Spider-Man. Hello, you beautiful nerds. So that new Spider-Man multiverse of homesick madness movie is coming out soon. And I thought this would be a good opportunity to talk about the best Spider-Man movie ever. But what is the best Spider-Man movie, no one asked? I got a lot of love for the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. It was kind of the start of the superhero summer blockbuster age that we're living in right now. And it will always make me giddy how much it feels like a Saturday morning cartoon come to life. A lot of people consider Spider-Man 2 to be the best Spider-Man flick. And I agree that it's the best of the trilogy and one of the greatest comic book movies of all time. But... Are you f***ing kidding me? It still has some problems. Some people even like the Andrew Garfield movies. Not a lot of people, but yeah, I'm sure someone does. I will say that I love the costume in the second one. I don't really like the Tom Holland CGI Spidey suit. So congrats, movie. You did exactly one thing right. No, for my money, the best feature-length film starring everyone's friendly neighborhood wall crawler is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I love Tom Holland and the MCU flicks, and I get it if little Tommy or Toby are your favorite spider guys. But, I mean, you're wrong. So before you get mad, just have a drink and curl up next to some Mary Jane. You get it? Because Mary Jane... That's the name of Peter. Go outside, nerd! Because I'm going to do a backflip headfirst deep dive off the side of a building into... But first, a prelude. In the year of our Lord 2010, journalist and screenwriter Mark Bernardin wrote an article posting the idea of a black or brown actor playing Spider-Man in a movie. Yeah, because I wrote, I wrote that story for io9 in 2010, right. what I think this was, wondering why Spider-Man had to be a white guy. And, uh, and then in the comments for that story, somebody suggested Donald Glover, and then Donald Glover gets wind of it, and he's out there like wearing Spider-Man jammies on Community, and he sort of embraces it. Somebody sent that to me, so I was like, oh, yeah, I'll put that up. So I put it up on my Twitter, and I was like, oh, Donald for Spider-Man, let's do this. You know, kind of joke, but also, like, who doesn't want to be Spider-Man? That'd be cool. And that's when the world went crazy. Yeah, the internet was not down for a black Spider-Man. But despite that, writer Brian Michael Bendis and artist Sarah Pacelli created the character we now know as Miles Morales. I'm sure there are a lot of other factors, including the fact that Bendis has two black daughters, but that's the gist of how we got our black Spidey. And I'll be honest, I fucking hated this idea, and I didn't really like the way it was handled in the comics. But you know what? Let's put a pin in that. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. For now, let's talk about this kid Miles' first movie. And what dimension are you from? Brooklyn? Alright, let's start from the beginning one last time. This movie follows the mild-mannered Miles Morales. But first, we're introduced to a familiar face. The Peter Parker that we meet at the beginning of this movie is the Spider-Man we all know and love. He's the Spider-Man from our favorite and least favorite movies. He even has all the same accessories as your favorite Spider-Man toys. I mean, he's full-on celebrity status. And we as an audience get introduced to this world through the point of view of Miles, someone who looks up to Spider-Man. And coming from a nerdy black kid who loves Spider-Man, I personally thought that it was pretty cute when they had their little serendipitous moment. Did you know your shoes are untied? Uh-huh. This is a, a onesie, so I don't really have to worry about it. You're gonna be fine. I can help you. If, you. if you stick around, I can show you the ropes. So now, Miles and blonde Peter Parker are gonna team up, beat the bad guys, and stop them from opening a portal to a... <laughs> okay.
He's dead. So Kingpin is trying to open a portal to another dimension to bring back his dead family. And while foiling Kingpin's plan, Spider-Man inadvertently caused a bunch of other spider people to pop out instead of Kingpin's dead wife and kid. After Peter gets killed, Miles has to figure out how to be Spider-Man and help his new friends get back home. Honestly, Miles, don't do it like I did. You gotta do it like you. First of all, these filmmakers treat you guys into watching a movie about a black superhero. My nigga. I'm glad you said this. So, got you. Your favorite Spider-Man movie is black as fuck. There are a lot of Spider-People in this flick, but Miles is definitely the main character. Like I mentioned before, I didn't like the idea of a black Spider-Man back in the day. Now, I'm not one of those racist folks. I don't have a problem with a black Spider-Man as much as I do the unoriginality of the decision. I also didn't really dig the idea of passing the torch to a new Spidey because I grew up with Peter. But this wasn't even really a Barry Allen, Wally West situation. This is from an an alternate universe, so you're not as emotionally attached to this Peter. There is a recurring theme in the movie that anyone can wear the mask, essentially saying that anyone with the will to act can be a hero, but more specifically that anyone can be Spider-Man. In this movie, they did a really great job of developing Miles as a different character than Peter. Peter grew up in Queens and Miles grew up in Brooklyn, Brooklyn. and they made a point to have Puerto Rican and black culture inform Miles' character. He also has a mom who's a nurse and a dad who's a cop, so it's fair to assume that ethics and morality have been drilled into his brain since birth. And we don't even need to get a with great power comes great responsibility quote to drive that point home. We actually learn a lot of little things about his character. He's smart and awkward like pretty much every spider person in the universe, but he also likes hip hop and he likes to draw. He loves his mom's cooking. He thinks his dad is corny and all those things help create the character of Miles and make him different from Peter and Gwen. We all know the OG Spider-Man origin at this point. It's probably why they just skipped it all together in the MCU. But much like an episode of What If this movie takes place in an alternate universe. You can tell from little things like the cops say PDNY instead of NYPD, Steph Curry is a golfer instead of a basketball player, and the movie Bridesmaids is now a movie called Baby Showers. Because of this, we get to have an origin story that has the room to do its own thing. Also, the script is tight. Tight like a tiger. It reminds me a lot of Back to the Future, where it's not overly complicated, but you can tell how much work went into the story, because everything falls into place so perfectly. I love little moments like this, where they explain that the earthquake that transported Gwen into this dimension took place the night before the movie started. Miles, good earthquake last night? Oh, what you talking about? I slept like a baby last night. Let's talk about the look. The animation in this movie is insane. They pretty much created a whole new style for this one. The animation is this perfect marriage of hand-drawn cartoons, stop-motion animation, CGI, and comic books. I guess that's a pretty complicated marriage. It's more like a polygamous animation style. What the, what the fuck am I even talking about? Go outside, nerd. Get out. Go. I ain't got time to be distracted by your worthless chimans, go! Anyway, there is a wild combination of different styles in this movie, and that's before they even start introducing characters from the really weird universes. Spider-Man Noir, Spider-Ham, and Penny Parker are just astounding to look at. They even all move at different frame rates, where Peter Porker has a very fluid Looney Tunes-like movement. Penny's moves are more striking and exaggerated like an anime. They even use frame rate to show the different maturity level of each character. You should check out this video from Corridor Crew where they talk about just why this movie was such an unbelievable feat of animation and visual effects. I would say it, but I'm not I'm not as smart as these guys. It wouldn't sound as good. They took advantage of the entire medium. There's elements of 
2D animation, 3D animation, cinematic staging, comic book staging. They did it all. They told a beautiful story. They even managed to incorporate the Kirby crackle, which is this really trippy aesthetic that the late great comic book artist Jack Kirby made so popular. I especially like the character design for Miles. He's got a very comic booky look to his face, but also things like his hair texture are so detailed and I mean, damn, that looks so incredible. His wardrobe in the movie is also great. I like the blend of streetwear and his costume like bleeding out of it. I'm not usually a big fan of popular music in movies, but these didn't really bother me. Probably because, and I know this for a fact, most of these songs on the soundtrack were created to evoke a specific emotion for specific scenes in the movie. It's like the pop songs were almost written as a score for the movie. Also, I don't think, I mean, I don't think that you're allowed to make a movie set in Brooklyn and not put a Biggie song in it. I'm pretty sure that's in the Constitution. And the score itself is great. I especially like the theme for the Prowler. Like the whole scene where Miles finds out his uncle is the Prowler and then there's a chase scene coupled with the Prowler's theme. It meshed so well. I just love how it all came together like butt cheeks. This movie was also more creatively shot than any other Spider-Man movie. It is animated so they are able to physically put cameras where you can't in real life and they take full advantage of that. But beyond the groundbreaking animation, the visuals are more thoughtful than most Spider-Man movies and superhero movies period actually. This cast is obviously out of this world incredible. Shameik Moore, Haley Stanfield, and Jake Johnson are amazing as the three main Spideys. But I was shocked by some of the other casting choices. But like in a good way. Oscar Isaac, Zoe Kravitz, Miko Glenn, Katherine Hahn, Mahershala Ali, Chris Pine were all pleasant surprises. And Nicolas Cage as Spider-Man is freaking hilarious. I'm taking this cube thing with me. I don't understand it, but I will. And oh my God, Lily Tomlin will always be my Aunt May forever now. How is this the first? Like she should have been in all the Spider-Man movies. Though she's not in the movie much, she's that great mix of sweet and sassy that makes her the perfect Aunt May. The Stanley cameo made me full on cry my eyes out the first time I saw it in the theaters. It may be because Stanley had just passed away when this came out and it was still pretty raw in my mind. But in my opinion, this is the best Stanley cameo. We were friends, you know. I'm going to miss him. I miss you too, Stan. I love you so much. Lee Trevor is pretty good as Kingpin too. Kingpin is usually played as kind of a refined, classy character who just so happens to be a ruthless criminal. But in this, he's like a member of the Tataglia family. Dude is in straight up mob boss mode. Most villains will say shit like, bring him to me or destroy them. There is a D in destroy, as in destroy them. Destroy them! But I love when Kingpin sees Miles for the first time. He's just like, kill that guy. As much as I really dug the characterization of Miles Morales, I enjoyed Peter's story in this too. Because Peter is, <laughs> he's not doing good. Aunt May is dead. Mary Jane left him. He's broke. Don't invest in a spider-themed restaurant. Anyway, in this movie, Peter gets an arc that we haven't really seen in any of the other Spider-Man movies. Peter has to learn how to be a dad. He mentions that him and Mary Jane broke up because he was too afraid to have a kid. And it's clear that while he's mentoring Miles, he starts to come around to the whole raising a little human thing. I love you. I am so proud of you. 
kids? First, he's afraid that he's not ready or won't know when he's ready or that he's gonna fail. But as Miles learns how to be Spider-Man, Peter realizes that no one's gonna tell him when he's ready to take that step and that he's the one who's gonna have to believe in himself. Jake Johnson is not at all who I would have cast as Peter. Nick Miller is not the voice I hear in my head when I read Spider-Man. Hey, look at that. I've never been an inspiration before. I don't like it, it's too much responsibility. But Johnson's performance in this was perfect. I love how Spider-Man is so used to the whole crime fighting thing that all of the tropes are kind of just old hat to him. He was the right amount of confident and charismatic, but you can also hear how sad and pessimistic he is. He's like funny sad when he needs to be, and he's really sad when he needs to be, and it all feels genuine. Mahershala Ali is pretty great, he's always great, but I was actually really impressed with Brian Tyree Henry's performance as Jefferson. He's such a good guy and just wants his son to make good choices, but he also recognizes how his overprotective nature has created a rift between his family and his brother Aaron. And after Aaron is killed, you can hear the pain and regret in Jefferson's voice, because he doesn't want to lose his son the same way he lost his brother. I mean, not in the mortal sense, not like getting shot, but in the way that that they drifted apart as kids. Miles' uncle gets killed, the one thing every Spider-Man has to experience, apparently. But it means something completely different than the death of Uncle Ben. Ben was Peter's father figure, but Miles has both of his parents, and they're both great. His death is a wake-up call, making Miles realize that if he's not careful, his relationship with his dad can become just as stained as Aaron and Jefferson, showing Miles that even though his dad is corny, he's still a good person. Oh my gosh, don't cops run red lights? Well, yeah, some do, but uh, not your dad. The third act is where most of these comic book movies really start to fall flat, but the last 30 minutes of this flick is absolutely awesome. Miles gets the great intro. There's this wonderfully creative multi-character fight scene. We get an adorable moment between Miles and Gwen. Pete and Miles have a little moment before Pete has to go back to his dimension. And I really like this because not only is Peter afraid that his newly adopted mentee isn't ready to face Kingpin on his own, he also doesn't know if he's ready to face Mary Jane on his own. The fact that Miles is using the same move that Peter did earlier so perfectly exemplifies how good of a teacher Peter is and how much him and Miles have connected. I mean, it's just so... <laughs> The script is so fucking good. This fight scene lasts a little long, but that's kind of a nitpick. So Spidey saves the day, hugs his daddy, and finally accepts his role as Spider-Man. One of the main story arcs of this film, especially for Miles, Gwen, and Peter, all three of them, especially considering what they've been through, have been given a grand opportunity to be a friend, to be a hero, and to be a father. Definitely what they want, but also what they're afraid to fail at. You gotta go home, man. How do I know I'm not gonna mess it up again? You won't. All the spider folks had their moment where they're giving you their elevator pitch for each of their origin stories. And then at the end, Miles officially becomes Spider-Man, so he gets to do the whole, all right, let's do this one more time thing. My name is Miles Morales. I was bitten by a radioactive spider, and for like two days, I've been the one and only Spider-Man. Solidifying that he's fully accepted the role that he was afraid of assuming at the beginning of the movie. This flick ends with an obvious setup for a sequel, but it stands on its own two feet very well. Even though I can't wait till Spider-Verse 2 comes out, this was an incredible self-contained story, and I'd be totally fine if this didn't spawn an animated cinematic universe. And now before we wrap up, it's time for the famous segment. Cute stuff I thought was really cute about this movie because I thought it was cute and I really loved it. All the little onomatopoeia captions that would appear when they would do stuff. When Miles and Gwen fist bump and it says dap is probably my favorite. It seems like Aunt May and Doc Ock were kind of a thing in the past. In the comics they tend to have a romantic history and in this she says, My friends actually call me Liv. My enemies 
Tommy Daka. Then later, uh, May says, Oh, great, it's Liv. So I feel like there's something there. Am I tripping? Let me know in the comments if you think I'm tripping. I like Olivia. Am I a lesbian? Every Spider-Man starts to tell their backstory the same way. All right, people, let's do this one last time. My name is Peter B. Parker. It's a recurring joke that's an entertaining form of exposition while also nodding to the audience and saying, yeah, we know you've heard the story of Spider-Man before. There have been a bunch of movies and TV shows about Spider-Man. I mean, he's like the most popular character in the world. So I like that little nod to the audience. Jefferson Davis is not Miles' birth father, so Miles uses his mom's last name, Morales. Although, if he did take Jefferson's last name, his name would be Miles Davis. This moment when Miles notices the tall girl at his school is pretty funny. He knows, she knows, they know. Wow, she's super tall. When they're leaving Alchemex Labs with the computer and Peter says, Let me tell you the good news. We don't need the monitor. Genuine laugh. Also, does Alchemex sound like Malcolm X to anybody else? Did that trip anybody else out? No. This move that Blonde Peter does at the beginning, it's cool how Miles does it at the end when he's fully accepted the role of Spider-Man. We taught him that, right? I didn't teach him that. And you definitely didn't. And lastly, these guys kind of snuck in a Sinister Six movie on y'all. See? One, two, three, four, five, six. And I know it's going to be better than whatever the live action. Like, like what? does anyone know what they're doing with that exactly? This film not only does the hard job of introducing new characters that carry the moniker of Spider-Man, but this is also a perfect representation of everything that makes the character of Peter Parker so great. He's witty, charismatic, compassionate, and brave, but this movie also puts on full display his resilience. Spider-Man's physical and emotional durability is what sets him apart from other heroes. And they make sure you don't forget that that's one of the reasons you love this guy so fucking much. When this movie was first announced, I thought it was just another desperate attempt by Sony to squeeze a dime out of their most popular character. You know, like these fucking villain movies that they're coming out with. And you know what? That might have been the initial intention. Because Sony, they, there's apparently they got a lot of garbage people working up there. But every once in a while, the fans get lucky and they hire the right people who actually love the characters and know how to tell a good story. We've been blessed with a lot of different versions of Spider man over the years. And maybe one of the reasons I love this flick so much is because it's a love letter to all those incarnations of the wall crawler. But Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, in my opinion, the funniest, most innovative, ambitious, breathtakingly beautiful Spider-Man movie ever made. So far. Oh, hi. I didn't see you there. Well, thank you for watching another video. While you're still here, go ahead and click the bell thingy and the thumbs up thingy and the, what's another thing you can click? You can click on the comments, put in some comments, talk about what you, oh shit, I lost my bookmark. If there's anything you guys do want me to talk about though, feel free to leave it in the comments. Like, subscribe so you can get updates on new videos and episodes of the pod. Anyway, thanks again. I'll see you next time. May the force be with you.